Drilling fluids touch just about everything in the drilling process. We're here to deconstruct the drilling process and drilling fluid concepts to provide a deeper understanding of our industry. In each episode, we'll share information, talk to interesting people, and maybe share a few stories along the way. Welcome to The Flow Line, a production of AES Drilling Fluids, brought to you by Matt Offenbacher and Justin Gautier. And welcome to a special Flowline episode where we are here out at the Midland Mud Plant, our brand new facility. And I am here with Zane Yastro, who played a big part in, well, a lot of people played a big part in this. But sure did. Zane, you've opened a mud plant or two in your day. I have. Could you describe a little bit about what that's like and where you even begin? Well, I think for this one particularly, uh, we had had a facility open. It was more of a a service facility to help out and relieve some of the pains from Kermit, you know, just all the throughput over there, taking rig returns, material returns from rigs. And we just sort of grew into the necessity to have another mud plant in the region here in Midland to serve the greater Midland area. So firstly, found a piece of property that came available that had a mud plant on it and did a lot of work to it and staffed up a little bit, moved all of our materials and our trucking equipment, and everything over here and all of our people and, you know, made some changes personnel wise and everything and made some pretty big changes to the mud plant to make it a little bit more how we like it, you know, evaluate all of that. Yeah. Could you talk a little more? Because I think that's sort of interesting in as much as you could have walked in and kind of cleaned some things up and and probably gotten going, but it wouldn't be what it is, especially relative to our other facilities. So tell us a little bit about that process of saying, this is what we really need before we can green light it. Because you also don't want to wait forever to get it just right. Right. I mean, you know, right out the gate was just aesthetically, you know, it was old. It was pretty rough, you know, it looking. I mean, the equipment that was here that was pre-existing was in good shape, good working order. It was just, you know, needed some TLC to make it look a little nicer and shinier, you know, sort of painted it to match our other mud plants, you know, with the gray and you know, the colors and everything and cleaned it all up and, you know, cleaned tanks out, cleaned the pit out. You know, the pit that was here pre-existing was a really nice pit. You know, it builds really good mud, but there was only one pit here, one 500 barrel pit. That's not enough building capacity. So, you know, we installed two more pits here to allow us, you know, more shipping and receiving, you know, uh, capacity as well as building capacity. The storage tanks were in good shape. They're laid out well. So we added some more Bayrite tanks. So we have more volume for wading up material. Added a couple more water tanks to have more volume for building capacity. So the, the layout was fine as it was. It seems to work. So I'm not going to fix what ain't broke with that. Yeah. I know after all the upgrades, cosmetic, mechanical, what have you, there's also this element specifically of you don't just go down the street and say, I need mud plant operators. Correct. And I, I yeah. can just find more of these folks. It's a skill set. It is. And you also can't go to your old mud plants and say, hey, all of you are coming to the new facility. Correct. And let the older facility suffer. And so you guys have been doing some staging, kind of build up capacity, train people, and help people wear new hats. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yes. Actually, yesterday we did relocate a gentleman from the Kermit lab over here and are promoting him into an assistant manager position to help. He's got a wealth of knowledge about running a mud plant. He was a lead for one of our crews in our mud plant in Kermit. And a month of Kermit is about a year in another mud plant with as much volume as they move through there sure, and the amount of yeah. trucks that come and go. So those guys usually get trained up really quick and hard, you know, really fast and hard because just the amount of volume we move. So he worked in the lab for, I think about a year, running the lab, making the blends, you know, with the logistics of shipping the volume, 
blending it off, making the blends, you know, the whole nine yards. So some of our guys here do have some knowledge with liquid mud, but it was always typically a warehouse facility before yeah. we moved over here. And you're right, it is a skill set. It's a learned skill. It's not just, you don't find people off the street that just know how to come in and run a mud plant. Also, every mud plant is different. So yeah. even if we were to relocate a bunch of people from another facility, which we are not doing, they would still have to be acclimated with this specific plant. They're all a little bit different. Absolutely, so, just like a rig. I mean, yeah. Correct. Yep, absolutely. I think that's one thing I've I've always appreciated and kind of going back to a little bit of your history, because I don't think I did a great job of introducing you, but tell us a little bit about, you know, you're kind of overseeing this region, which is the Permian, yeah, I, I am, so it's I'm, not a yeah, small I'm place. The, I'm the Permian Basin Regional Operations Manager, yes, sir. But big Official picture, title. you've kind of been everywhere with AES. I have. And I have, you've seen yeah. a few things. I have. So why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about that? Because a few of our mud engineers listen, and I think they'd appreciate knowing it. Well, yeah, I started out of college in 2011. I'm from Phillipsburg, Pennsylvania, right in the center of the state, you know, right next to our mud plant there in West Decatur. I started there out of school as a warehouse worker, you know, a mud plant hand. Um, I did not go to school for anything to do with petroleum or the oil field or anything. I went to school for economics. So oddly enough, I find myself here. But yeah, I started there as a hand, worked in West Decatur for a little more than a year. I relocated to Cheyenne, Wyoming to go and help build that plant and was moved into an assistant manager position there. We got that plant up off of the ground, got it built, got it running, serviced. I think it, while I was there, I think we had maybe I think six or eight rigs, if I recall, maybe five. I don't, it's been years and years. So I worked there for about eight months and then they needed somebody to go to North Dakota to run that facility. So I relocated to North Dakota as the warehouse manager up there. I worked there for two years at that plant. And then from there, I was requested to go to Clinton, Oklahoma. So I moved down to Clinton, Oklahoma for two years and operated that facility. Um, and then from there, they asked me to come out here to Kermit to manage the Kermit facility and get it sort of straightened out and everything. And I worked over there as the manager for, I would say about a year, maybe a year and a half. And then I was promoted to the regional operations position out here. And here I am now, I've been, you know. One thing I loved, Kermit's been around for a while, but it underwent a major expansion. And I mean, we sort of like spiked the football about our major expansion. And then you keep doing, if you added up all the small things, you'd probably have another major expansion. Yeah. For but, sure. Uh, all that being said, you know, that requires people yes. in a place called Kermit, Texas, which is not near a lot of people. One of the things I really admired when I remember coming by and asking you how things were going right after the big expansion. And you were like, yeah, you know, we have a lot of turnover. We have some other things, but I'm building a team. Like you were like, I just have to build this critical mass of people that care about each other, know what we value. And like the rest will take care of itself. But like, I just need that time. And I thought that was really like the most insightful. I mean, because so many times you say, can I fill these positions? It is like, no, can I get them to stay? Can I get them to want Correct. to be here? Yeah, you, you can't, know? they're not just warm bodies. You know, I mean, a lot of times it's sort of maybe looked at like that. Yeah. And you know, occasionally maybe it is a little bit, but you need a good core group of people that are interested and willing to do what's required to get the job done, interested in getting the job done efficiently and correctly, and interested in growing along with the company Sure. As we grow, you know, right. because we've made a lot of investments in our in our people, in our facilities, in our operations. And you need people that are, you know, going to sort of, I guess, give that back. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So whenever you find that, you can sort of grow that. You know, so it's almost sort of organic, you know what I mean? The way it all kind of works, actually. And 
once you get that, you can get it to start to grow and everything. It, it spreads across everywhere. And yeah. the operations tend to have a way of like keeping themselves going to an extent with that and like sort of weeding out the bad, maybe, if you will, and, you know, nurturing the good. It's very interesting. You know, I'm passionate about it, too. I'm sure you can tell. But yeah, you need a good core group of people that are willing to do the job and want to come and want to be part of the team and part of the family to keep it rolling. We're very fortunate in Kermit because, as you said, you know, there's not a lot of people in Kermit. It's a small town. There's not a large talent pool there. We've got a lot of people from the greater Kermit area that work for us, you know, that we were fortunate to have and very glad to have. But a lot of folks, you know, came from outside yeah. um, and relocated maybe to this area to work. We definitely have a good reputation. As far as drawing talent, people want to work for us because we're a legit good company. We take care of our people. We take care of our customers. We take care of our business. So people like to be proud of where they're at. So, you know, and that took some schedule changes, the way we operate with our crews, you know, certainly incentivizing people, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's been good. We were very fortunate. I think it's just phenomenal. You can have the best equipment in the world. And quite frankly, it's just sitting there collecting dust without the right people operating yeah. it, knowing how to operate it and doing it in a way that serves the customer oh, best too, right? Absolutely. Like a warehouse worker understands some of the rig needs, but they also still have to deal with a mud engineer who doesn't understand what they do, perhaps as much getting frustrated that where's my stuff? Why wasn't this taken care of? And to realize that you're part of this bigger organism and that your job matters. I think, unfortunately, it, like the warehouse, the mixers, the operators, if they're removed from that, they say, well, I'll just go find something else to do. Yeah, to an extent. I mean, you know, some of it can be a little menial and just sort of you know, the same thing over and over again, but it is making them feel like they're part of something, part of a team. Again, it goes back to having a good group of people to manage and to supervise and to lead, you know, everybody in the right direction as best as anyone can. But also to your point with that, you definitely do need to, I guess I over explain things sometimes, you know, like I've been on the receiving end of it. I've been managed. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've been led by people and I still am every day. You know what I mean? I'm very close with my Nate Kessonade, the U.S. operations manager, and James, VP, you know, and our team's very close and we're very friendly with each other. We're hard when we need to be and we're a good team. We work very close-knitly with each other and we work tight. But I find that, you know, if there's an issue or if someone has a question or if you have to, you know, ask someone to do something, it's better to maybe give them some background as far as why we're doing it, what we're doing, what we're trying to achieve, why we're trying to achieve it. If there's an issue, like this is the issue, this is what happened, this is why it's an issue, and these are the effects of the issue, you know what I mean, of what happened. So, you know, look at our dispatch team over there at Kermit, right? Like, and here as well, I mean, this is a smaller sample size, you know, but Kermit's operating 90 rigs or 91 rigs. There were only, we've got eight here, you know, today, soon to be 10. They touch everything that comes and goes through the gates of that facility in some fashion. I mean, they check all the flatbeds, they, they ticket everything. They scale in all the trucks, you know, they do all these things. And what they do affects across the whole company, you know, right. what, I mean, what goes on accounting and purchasing and everything. Right. Safety, billing. Operational activity, you know, what's happening on the rig. I mean, it's not just getting sack material out there. It's getting the right stuff. In a in timely a, fashion. In a proper state. You're right. It sort of touches everything. And it's good to explain that to them because they may not understand why something is required. Right. Until you explain like, well, it needs to be done this way for these reasons. Right. And then it's like, oh, yeah, okay. It makes perfect sense. The plant's staging up. 
We've got a few rigs. We've yep. got certainly bandwidth to take on plenty more. Yep. What are you most excited about now that this thing is up and running? Well, I'm most excited about our sort of having new ability to expand, really, and also to better service our customers, you know, right out the gate, which is the whole point of this venture anyways, as our mindset and sort of our mission, you know, to do the best we can to take care of our customers. Having a facility here allow us to take better care of our customers in the Midland area and the Midland Basin. So, you know, I guess I should say Permian Basin, but still, I think after, you know, we get everything worked out here and we move forward and we see some success, I think that the potential for us as a company to grow and maybe reach some customers or some operators that we haven't really been able to tap, maybe due to the vicinity of our mud plants, having one right here in Midland, you know, off of business 20, you know, right off of the loop is a really good position for us to be in. And I think it will sort of sweeten the deal for folks to come on board. Yeah, well, I mean, talking to a customer today, he's very excited about just having a closer mud plant. I mean, you know, the other thing is you've done such a great job with our other facilities that everybody sort of knows what an AES facility is. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to, okay, they didn't have enough volume. Like, we all know how important it is for a customer when they need something, when they need liquid mud and they're on losses. Like, I need to be able to handle that size volume. When there's a bunch of orders coming, you know, one mixed tank isn't going to do it. Right, yeah. It's just like, we wouldn't even conceive of that as an acceptable facility. No, no, correct, yeah. We're already in a bind. Yeah, so, but our customers have come to expect that and they understand the value that adds. And so I just think it's really cool. It's not just, hey, we've got this new thing, but we have this thing that's going to provide a significant impact. And, you know, geographically, like Kermit was blown and going and, you know, doing a great job, but it was burst at the seams you described, like, you don't well, want yeah, anything running at 100% capacity all the time. Something will break. Correct. And so here we've got some relief and we have some availability where maybe customers who work exclusively close to here who would say, look, you know, the trucking is just kind of in the way. Now that's not an issue for them. And so they're going to get really close access to a premium facility and get to experience what we think we do really well, maybe for the first time. So I think that's really cool. This facility certainly isn't Kermit. And I will say with that, you know, a lot of our current customers have seen it. I believe that that facility has gotten them all out of a bind at one time or another, you know, for sure. And whenever you see the place and you walk around it and you're just sort of looking up at all these things and you realize like, man, we've got 3,000 barrels of mixing capacity and 28,000 barrels of storage and four 350 ton Bayrite silos that can load a truck in 10 minutes. And, you know, with with Bayrite headed to the rig, I mean, it's something like that. And it's funny for me because other facilities, you know, have been like, well, man, you know, Kermit can, you know, they're turning out 2,000 loads a month and all this stuff. And it's like, you can't compare your yourself now that's a totally different animal everything will be smaller than Kermit yeah everything will always be smaller like it's not even in the same sort of league you know what I mean like don't consider yourself against that you know what I mean and you wouldn't want to try and beat either right it it wouldn't fit no so I always think it's sort of funny you know helping out in Clinton and Midcon there I went back in the capacity as an operations manager to help them out you know and we had had some personnel changes and things up there and they're running like 10 rigs or 11 rigs like man like they're really busy. Like for an atypical mud plant, it can be a lot of work. That can definitely keep a facility busy. There's no oh, question absolutely. about it. But like, well, yeah, Kermit's got 90 rigs and this and that. It's like, yeah, but you guys can't compare yourself to that. You're doing fine as you are. Yeah. You know, you're doing a you great job. You handle just, 90 rigs. Okay? No, you just keep on chugging along. So it's just sort of comical, you know. But And I understand that, you know, being a warehouse manager and a hand. Yeah, it's just interesting. It's pretty exciting. I'm certainly glad to do it. It's been a while since, you know, we've done this. 
been a long time since we had a grand opening you yeah. know what I mean? for a new facility. So it's pretty exciting. I'm certainly looking forward to the future and what this might mean for us and what this might bring. So, Well, Zane, I really appreciate you sharing yeah, some of your insight Thank you. to the listeners out there. You know, normally Justin does all this stuff, the opening and closing, but please share this episode, provide a review. If you like what you hear, you can always reach out to us at the Flowline Podcast at asfluids.com if you got episode ideas or any feedback or anything like that. And certainly check us out on LinkedIn. But Zane, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time with us. And not only that, but everybody on your team that makes us look so good, sometimes far better than we would ever look on our own. We're just very grateful for everything that you do and that you would take some time for us to educate some of our listeners. So thank you. I appreciate that. And it is our great pleasure. Take care. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Please tune in next week for another exciting episode of The Flow Line. And remember, may your returns always be full and your trips always smooth. Views expressed in this program belong to participants and not their employees. The program is for informational purposes only and cannot take the place of seeking professional advice. Copyright AES Drilling Fluids.